What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right. It says it's live, so we'll just trust it. It's the very first episode of The Critic, The Geek, and The Girl. And the crowd goes wild. I don't know. Uh, I'd be The Critic. I'm Aaron Dicer from uh, YourMovieFriend.com. Also joining us is Captain Logan from Geekvolution. He would be The Geek. Greetings. And, I'm obviously uh, the girl, right? Yes, okay. well done, Danae. Okay. Thank you. You know, I, I could introduce you. You could just wait for me to introduce you if you wanted oh, to. Oh, sorry, wait. Don't you want to hear your introduction? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've got an introduction. Okay, so yeah, go All right. for it. And this is Danae Hughes. She's the girl. Was that good? Yeah. That was good. Nice. Uh, you can find her at DanaeHughes.com. And we're going to talk best movies of 2013. Here's how it's going to work. We've come prepared with our top five movies, our biggest disappointment of the year, as well as... Uh, our most pleasant surprise of the year. We'll start with number five. We'll do five, four, uh, biggest disappointment, three, two, pleasant surprise, number one. That's the order we'll go in. And we will kick it off at number five with the girl. Danae, what's your number five movie of the year? My number five movie of the year. I did not see very many movies this year, so my list was kind of short to start with. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I was a toss-up between two movies. I think I'm going to go ahead and land on Catching Fire, but it was a toss-up between Catching Fire and American Hustle. So. so are you are you a big fan of the series? Like, did you read the books, all that kind of stuff? I think that's ultimately why it won out over American Hustle, because I had read the books, and I was interested to see how they were going to develop the characters and see how the actors did in the second movie. And I thought that it was nice to see that the budget of the movie got bigger. I really loved that. Uh, they got to develop the world a little bit more. I think so got my attention in that way, which is, I think, why it won my number five. Nice. Did you see it, Captain? Yes, I did, and uh, I thought it was fantastic um, and, and was not really all that excited for it. I saw the first one, thought it was all right, uh, and then um, was pretty was kind of blown away by it. Uh, performances were astounding. Pacing was fantastic, and um, the, the big complaint people had about it is you get to the end, and it's kind of not over. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, and naturally, you know, it's kind of a cliffhanger sort of thing. It felt very Matrix Reloaded in that way, and then, um, and, and in the theater, I remember thinking, this should be annoying to me, but it's not. You know, because um, because it felt like a second act, and I think the only reason that was bugging people, because you have you have movie series, and then you have movies that are sequels to other movies, right? So you, you get to the end of that movie, and it's like, okay, if the first movie had ended a little bit more that way, if it felt like like it doesn't fit by itself, then maybe that wouldn't have bothered people the way it did. And I think that's the only reason that that's a thing is that the first movie stands by itself, but the second one's not a whole piece because it can't be. How could it be? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point, because I think of, like, the Lord of the Rings movies. I don't hold that against them. They're obviously all tied together in that way. So even though the first two don't really end, I don't hold it against it, because I know that's the way it's intended. Uh, I think that's a valid point. That was the only complaint I had with it, was that, you know, it just didn't feel like a complete movie. Um, but, yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it, and much more than the first one, even. I think and what makes people some, some people a little nervous about it, too, is that if the if the third one is is not up to that caliber, it might it might hurt the other one on re, on, on multiple viewings. Have you guys read the books, either of you? No, no, I no. haven't. 
Um, and I, you know, I enjoy I enjoy going to, to something like that sometimes, um, not knowing the source material, um, because it's I find it a fascinating exercise to see if a movie if movies can stand on their own when they're based on things like that. Um, if they can't, and you have to have read the books, there's no point in adapting them. Yeah, they're uh, so. doing a really good job of adapting them, though, and that's, I think, another reason why I ultimately chose it, is I like that it stayed really cohesive with the storyline, and it's even, you know, doing some really good things to lead up into the next movies. Do we know if there's going to be two more, or just one more? Yeah, they're going to split the last one into two, which, um, again... I think that's the rule. I think I that's think the that's rule. Right. Yeah. That? We just did, uh, we haven't posted it yet, but uh, Vince and I just did um, a whole discussion video about whether or not that's a good idea. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I, I know that there's a lot still kind of to, to develop. There's some new characters that are going to be coming in. There's new places that they're going to be going. There's new revelations that they're going to be, you know, this plot line hasn't really been fully developed yet as far as what's happening in the world uh, in large and what goes on in each different division and so there's a lot yet to do. So I can see how perhaps rushing that would do disservice to the story. Um, whereas in The Hobbit, I don't quite get that at all. But well, that's a, well, a lot of the topic. time it just comes off like we gotta drag it out for the sake of, of money. Money. Yeah, because I'm because I'm like because when it happened with Harry Potter, I was like, could could we have not done this with four? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you know, on that. We have not done this with six. Yeah, why stop? Let's just do like a Land Before Time series and just keep releasing them <laughs> but one just, bit at a time. Like some of those stories needed more screen time than they got, and then when they finally did it with the last one and it worked okay, you know, you've, I felt a little bit cheated because yeah. or really needed that especially. I kind of wish uh, there's part of me that wants, and I know it doesn't work because of financial reasons and other things. Um, unless maybe you charge for two movies, but I kind of wish they would put two movies out at the same time that you could watch back to back. So you know, you take an intermission break between you know one. You know, go ahead and release a four-hour movie in two two-hour chunks, but at the same time, so I can go right from one to the other. Is that even possible? I don't know. Um, That's hardcore, man. The only thing close to that that we've ever seen is when movies will be made simultaneously, and then they'll put one out, and then like a month or two later, they'll put out the next one. Um, and I'd like to see that come back more. Because, uh, I mean, like, I think with Harry Potter, it was like, what, six, eight months or something? Like, like, like I, I do think at the very least we should go to like maybe a month in between. Because, you know, it is it is fun sometimes to have that cliffhanger feel, to have that kind of best of both worlds. i gotta wait. I got to wait a couple months before I get to finally see it. And, um, you know, sometimes cliffhangers like that, we wouldn't appreciate them as much if it weren't for the time difference. So, right. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and again, it further blurs the lines between television and movies, too, because you see that in TV a lot with you know the cliffhangers between seasons and, and that kind of stuff. And I really think content is becoming blurred to the point where you know movies are taking on aspects of TV and TV are taking on aspects of movies. And uh, I think that'll continue, especially as digital becomes the primary format you know, for release and delivery. So, all right, uh, let's move on. Captain Logan, what is your number five? Uh, my number five, uh, believe it or not, was Prisoners. Uh, I was really surprised by that movie. Um, and I'm not generally a big um, thriller guy, uh, but, I mean, like, like I thought I thought Hugh Jackman was fantastic in that movie. Um, I, uh, who, who, was the, who was the other guy, Aaron, that was in that movie that is just uh, something uh, not Hall. Yeah, thank you. Um, Dave Hall. Also not a big fan of his usually, and he just he just blew it up in that. Um, a lot of really really interesting uses of visual symbolism in that film that I could just like like uh, uh, 
like, uh, you know, write papers on. I was really impressed with that movie. Um, and it went in all kinds of directions I didn't think it would, but, but importantly, not in a plot twisty gimmicky kind of way uh, yeah di- didn't didn't expect to even care about that movie but it was quite good and and also, also quite unnerving there are very few movies yeah. I, I went to this year that would would rank as high on the intensity scale as that movie um, man some of the things that happen in that movie are are downright uh, just terrifying and uh, I, I love Jake Gyllenhaal in that movie to me he's yeah. the highlight of that movie I think he's incredible in that. Uh, Hugh Jackman is, is, as far as I'm concerned, he was okay in that, but G- I thought Jake Gyllenhaal stole the show. Um, you know, I'm supposed to potentially be someone who knows a lot about movies, but I don't. <laughs> Could you give me a Jake Gyllenhaal reference, like a character or something? that I can't see this person in my brain. And I didn't see this movie. Oh, interesting. Um, what else has Jake Gyllenhaal been in? Uh, he was... Uh, Nothing? Okay. You can skip it. Com- it's fine. I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah all, all kinds of things, but nothing, nothing like like nothing that you like start in, like so you have like a cultural to. point of reference. Yeah. All right, fine. I'm yeah. gonna Google search this while you guys chat because I haven't seen this movie and I don't like thrillers very much, so I probably won't put it on my list of these either. I thought. Um I just thought that movie was uh, part of the reason it was as gripping as it was was because I, I cared about the people involved and a lot a lot of thrillers um, you don't have that you know you, you, your people will be kind of placeholders and um, it's it's more about the the visual suspense of the thing um, and and uh, I don't know I, I don't I don't have a lot else to say about it but um, no that's great no that's a, that's a good choice not one that would uh, not one that made my list at all but uh, certainly one I can understand why people love. Um, and, Brokeback uh, Mountain dude. Huh? Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Continue. Continue. Brokeback Mountain. Continue. Um, okay. So my number five is one I don't know that either of you have seen, and this this may happen uh, just because I'm I am the guy that sees every single thing because they send me movies even before they're you know out in theater sometimes. Um, but this one actually came out in the summer, so you've had a chance to see it, but I don't know that you did. It's called Fruitvale Station, and it's my number five, and I it seen is. It. It is the true story of a kid in the inner city uh, who just finds himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and how badly handled the situation is. And I don't want to give you know a lot away, but it's just kind of one of those true stories that A, is incredible that it happened in the way that it happened, and B, touches a place in you where you're like, we got to do better than this as human beings. And I, I love that when a movie can challenge you in that way. Plus, the kid who plays... Um, uh, the lead in it is Michael B. Jordan, and he is phenomenal. You may know him from The Wire. Uh, you may know him uh, from several movies coming up. He's in talks to be the Will Smith kind of takeover for the Independence Day sequel. Uh, he's kind of getting a lot of buzz right now because he's just he's absolutely incredible and, and, and really, really good in this. I'm trying to think uh, what else he's been in that you might have seen him, but if you if you look at Michael B. Jordan... Oh, um, oh I know um, what you, you will know. Chronicle. He's the oh, Black Kid in Chronicle. That's yeah, that's the Chronicle. Well, and, and uh, isn't he supposed to be a Fantastic Four? Yes, they're talking to him about Fantastic Four as well. They're going to cast him as Johnny Storm, I think. Yep, yep, that's what he's in talks for. He's in talks for a lot right now, again because his star is so rising so fast right now. Um, but he is incredible in this movie. Wow. That's one I would highly recommend. It's called Fruit Vegetables. It was Station. great in Chronicle. My only, one of my only complaints about that movie, I love that movie. One of my only complaints about it was that they, they had to do the stereotypical kill off the token black guy thing. <laughs> that, that was like that was one of the only things I didn't like about it, which is a cre- which is somewhat of a credit to the movie because they killed him off, and I didn't want him to kill him off because I like that guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was really good. So that's my number five. So let's go number four. We'll switch it up a little bit. Captain Logan, what's your number four? My number four is Ender's Game. It's <clears throat> uh, a good choice. I, I'm, a, I'm a big sci-fi guy, um, I, and I said this when I reviewed it. Um, when I read that book in high school. Uh, I took a uh, science fiction course my senior year of high school and read Ender's Game there, and um, remember getting halfway through the book and saying, this has got to be a movie at some point, but I don't know how in the world it could ever be made, because uh, in, in, the, in the novel, um, all the kids are like, Seven or eight, like like they're like they're, they're they're little kids, so they had to cheat to make it work. Uh, but I didn't care because because it, it really did work. Um, it's not a perfect movie. It's got some pacing issues. Um, there's some there's some stuff left out that um that it that it really could have used, and you can tell that even if you've not read the book. And frankly, it's been a long time since I have. But I mean, like um there's a there's a big chunk they skip. Uh, relationship-wise between Ender and, and the kids that he works with. Um, but uh, but other than that, um, I thought uh, it had a really distinct look. Um, I thought Harrison Ford was just brilliant. Um, and it, it's, it's, an, it's an unusual thing in that, you know, in, Ender's Game is a series and there are more books in it, and, I, and it stands alone so well, I kind of wish they don't do anymore. Like, I, I, I kind of hope it just stays by itself and that we don't, we, we, we don't, we don't see any more in that universe because... Um, it's almost more fun to think about where it could go than to see where it goes afterwards. But anyway, um, yeah, I was really happy with it. My mom uh, read the books, and we were sitting in the movie theater watching uh, a movie, and Ender's Game came up as a preview, and she just got so excited. She's oh, Nay, have you read those books? You've got to read those books. Uh, so I actually wanted to read the books before seeing the movie, and she advised that I just read the first book because sit after the first one, they just don't really, they didn't carry the story very well for her, she didn't really like it as much, but she also thinks it should just stay one movie. Oh, that's interesting, well, because part of the thing about Ender's Game, um, and for people that haven't seen it, I won't give away the ending, but it's kind of about the ending, so it <laughs> on past it, uh, because at that point it becomes a little bit more about mythology and a little bit less about that character, I think, mm. um, but, um, but anyway. Welcome back, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. What just happened? We decided just to boot you, man. Yeah. It was just a decision that Captain Logan and I made. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, with, with our telepathic powers. Um, the interesting thing about Danae and I is that we're telepathic, but only with each other. That's right. <laughs> I don't know how it. I don't know how it happened, but you know, you know, Danae, from the moment I met you, I felt connected. That's right. Well, it's probably because we both played D and D before. That's, that's we've rolled the dice, man. We've so, rolled the dice. So yeah, you just yeah, you did that. So okay, so. <laughs> Did the, did the broadcast stop? Or are we still yep. going? It looks like we're still going. All right, good, good. So you talked about Ender Game, Ender's Game yeah. a little bit. Uh, yeah. Also, a movie I loved. I'm going to talk about it here in a, in a little bit as well. Um, so, and Danae, I don't think you saw that one, right? No, I didn't see it. Not yet. It's on my list of. Um, I have two lists. I have movies that I saw and movies that I meant to see. It's on my meant to see list. 2013. <laughs> okay. Well, and one of the things I, I really liked about that movie was that I thought that it was it was uh, it did a really good job of being accessible without knowing the source material. So totally That's watch good. it even if you don't read the book first. Um, I totally agree. And, be, and because I missed uh, a, a lot of what you said, obviously, because you guys rolled me. Uh, the did you say you had read the books? Have yeah, but it had been years. Okay. See, I haven't read them and and really loved the movie and understood what was going on, and so I yeah, I definitely think it's something that can appeal to somebody who hasn't read the books. I I Aaron, I think that kid's going places, man. Yeah. yeah. Asa Butterfield. Yeah. 
Yeah, somebody's last name is Butterfield. That is awesome. <laughs> if you can, if you can take what comes along with that. You're doing good. Yeah, yeah he's, if he gets a really big, if he gets a really big career, and somebody ever makes a documentary about the, about him, they could call it the Butterfield effect. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. Uh, all right, I will continue uh, with my number four, uh, which is a Disney movie called Frozen. I absolutely loved Frozen. Um, I I love the fact that it brought back the Disney musical uh, in a real way. I mean, there's been kind of some starts and stops and some attempts at songs here and there. But this was a full-on grab the soundtrack, sing at the top of your lungs, Disney musical, and uh, it's beautifully animated. It, it, the most genius thing Disney has ever done in the history of their company Whoa, is hire John Lasseter to, to do their entire animation. Yeah. Uh, absolute genius move. He's he is knocking it out of the park for them, and Frozen is a great example of that. Frozen's also my number four, so um, I'll just add to that and say, as somebody who can relate, there's a lot of related to characters. I related to um, a lot of the characters that were in this film, and I really love that they didn't upplay the villains too much. They didn't really give a lot to the villains. Um, there was there's kind of these naysayer characters that uh, are are accusing one of the young girls of you know being a witch or being you know cursed and. I kind of think for a second, oh no, don't do that thing where you're going to build in this big plot hole for them. And they didn't do that, and I really love that. And they also didn't do the thing that a lot of Disney movies have done in the past, which is uh, intrinsically tie your worth to whether or not you're in love with someone. Um, it was played a lot in the film, um, where you know this young girl wants to be in love and she wants to have someone to kind of fill her, all of her fantasies of ever being loved by someone. Uh, and so they play on that, but it really truly isn't about that. And I love that they moved that and twisted that. And I also love that they touched on um, what it really means to be yourself and not hide behind uh, the expectations of maybe your parents or um, of society around you. They really let that kind of freedom come through in their music and in the film itself. It was was awesome, awesome movie. And all that makes a great point about the movie as well, which is that it's more than just beautiful animation and uh, fun. There's some real meaning there, too, and that's a big deal to me. And um, I think that's another reason that you've seen it come back to number one at the box office, which rarely happens. Like, seven weeks after its release, it's back to number one, and there's wow. a reason. It's a great movie. It is really good. It's good to see with uh, with your family and friends, and I love musicals, too. So I've been singing to the soundtrack a lot. You know, th that movie is your traditional Disney formula, but then turn on its head a little bit because we've mm -hmm. all seen it and we're all we all kind of know where that's going to go. And you know, you, you'll, a lot of Disney movies, especially the princess ones, you get to the end of them and you, you really there's a lot of things to like, but ultimately, what's it saying to your kids? And this was one that um, I think that's the one big Pixar kind of holdover was it's in that traditional Disney storytelling, not the Pixar thing, but the thing that it the, the, the thing it really has in common with a, with a lot of Pixar films, at least for me, was that um, was that I, I really like the message and it's not heavy-handed. Uh, that is a movie about self-control. That's a movie about uh, head head over heart, man. And um, I was really I was really impressed to see that in a traditional Disney princess film. Yay! Um, I didn't like the music as much as you guys did. Um, it had a couple songs that I was really impressed with, um, and I think I liked it more as I was watching it than I thought about it later because I thought some of it was just too poppy. Um, that's a yeah. Thing, but like it's you know you know it's a little some of it was a little too contemporary for me um, and and uh, and I and I thought 
like some of it will not stand the test of time like maybe it could have if they had written it a little bit differently. But um, I don't know. Other than that, um, you know, yeah, I really, really liked it too. It didn't make my list, but it would have been six or seven. I also right. have to make sure before we go on, I just want to say one thing. Olaf. Okay. Well, what's funny about Olaf is he that character seems to be kind of a, kind of people love him or hate him. That's such a I thing. love Olaf. A lot of people hated him, though. Oh, um, he's so cute. Look at his little snowman body and his little snowman mouth and his little nose. And <laughs> I love that guy. And I love how he says, in summer. That was, so the, that was a song that worked. Oh, so good. Anyway, sorry. Go on. We can, good we stuff. can move on. All right. We will, we'll move on to uh, most disappointing movie of the year. And I'll start us off since it's my turn to start. Uh, my most disappointing movie of the year, and, uh, you know, I don't know why I expected more out of this, maybe because I'm a Ryan Reynolds guy, is R.I.P.D. Uh, I just thought that that movie looked fun. I, you know, I know we've done the Men in Black thing, so I think it had that thing, you know, going against it. But it just failed on so many levels for me, and uh, I was really hoping for more from that. Again, because I love sci-fi, and I love, you know, being able to do fun character work and effects, and it just, it just didn't work for me. Uh, Aaron, I, f I felt like I was taking a pot shot when I wrote it down, but yeah, I also that's that was my R.I.P.D. Um, yeah. When I, uh, because when I saw the previews for that, it was one of those. It was it was one of those movies where I was like, this ought to be really fun, but I'm not buying it. And so yeah, I mean like I'm I don't know if disappointing is exactly the right word, but I sure wanted I sure wanted it to work. I wanted more for it. It looked like a really fun premise. Um, it was a uh, it was based on an obscure comic in the late '90s that nobody read. That apparently is as bad or worse than the film. And uh, but premise wise, there you know you know like like there's there's no reason that they couldn't have ran with it and made it something really cool. That is one of those movies where um, it, it everything almost everything is phoned in, with maybe the exception of Jeff Bridges' performance. Like like you go you go to that movie and what what it looked like in the previews is exactly what it is. Which is a huge problem because it runs with all of the jokes that were in the trailer. Like that's that's the humor. That's it. Like like the like oh, the, the gag, that. the gag of like uh, like uh, Jeff Bridges um, is is a hot chick and he's an elderly Oriental guy. Like just nauseatingly, that's the gag. The whole, and that's the whole movie. The whole, like, that's the yeah. whole thing. Um, it, it, it feels it feels rushed to me. Uh, the CGI is awful, and I don't know. It just it seemed like it seemed like a it seemed like a first draft script. Um, yeah, and none of and none of even let's just you know stay on that gag, which is through the whole movie. Yeah. None of it is even thought through. There are so many moments, even with that gag, that you go, wait, that wouldn't work that way, or that doesn't make any sense. Why does this object look like a different object, but this object they're holding looks like the same object? I mean, it's just there's no consistency of thought put yeah. into anything. They they were not trying with that one, man. That was a I guess that was a movie that was uh, that was that was just relying entirely on star power. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm what, glad I didn't see it. Yeah, feel feel lucky. What did you? Uh, I'm not missing much. What did you mine? have, Danae? Yeah. Uh, kick ass too. Uh, again, I didn't see very many. <laughs> I didn't see very many movies this year, and thankfully, I didn't have any greater disappointments than the one we actually reviewed together, the three yeah. of us already. Um, and I think I made my uh, opinions pretty strong. But I love the first one for a lot of reasons. It's vulgar. It's not not for a lot of people. I wouldn't recommend it to a lot of the friends that I have who would be very uncomfortable watching this movie. But 
I still thought, oh, there's some really fun stuff that they're doing here, and it's inventive, and then I went into this next one, and it was like, this is the worst thing that could happen on film with <laughs> this movie. And I, only reason I didn't leave the theater is because I had to review it with you guys. Otherwise, I would have just been like, I'm out. Peace. So... Yeah, and we've and we've gone over that, and in, in fact, you can probably do a quick search and, and find our review of that, um, which it also ends, it ends weirdly. <laughs> yes, had some tec- technical difficulties at the end where apparently Danae booted all of all of us out. Um, mental powers, my powers are amazing. That's that's when we discovered we had the we had the the, the mm-hmm. mental link thing. I think I think the mental link works best when Danae and I don't agree. I think that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, Kick-Ass 2, for, for the record, is not that great, but I don't think it's as bad as the data. Well, again, uh, I only saw 12 movies, so... <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So, it, you know, that's that's a good thing to, to kind of get out there, too. So, Danae, you saw 12 movies. Uh, by that, you mean 12 new movies in the theater that's right. this year. So, like, one a month. What would you say, where did you end up, Captain uh, Logan? Oh, I saw maybe 30, 25, okay. 30. Aaron, how about you? Yeah, well, again, it's it's kind of what I do, but I ended up right around 170, something like that. Yeah. So. But you guys so, have to understand that on average, I buy 12 comic books a week, so like. Right, because that's your so gig. I just don't have I just don't have time to to read and watch everything that exists. Uh, so I yeah. dabble in TV and I dabble in movies. Oh, I guess I dabble in comics too, because there's no reading all of those. Yeah. And I found and I found this year that I've had to go to dabbling in television. Like I used to like see everything on TV too, you know, all the new shows and and that kind of stuff. And with kind of this movie thing taking off, I I have had to kind of back off and just you know watch what I love. And then try a couple new ones that look interesting, and you know I'll have opinions here and there, and I'll still do a TV preview and that kind of stuff. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm really have moved to movies and you know kind of other stuff. I just dabble. If I had a three minute reviewing style like you, maybe I'd watch everything. But I'm <laughs> such a twenty thirty minute analysis guy that like I have to spend a week with a movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's yeah. If you saw 170 movies and you reviewed them all for 30 minutes, that's that yeah, would that's, be crazy. That's 85 hours of review. Yeah, right? wouldn't work. That's math. Uh, yeah. And, and anybody that, that watched all of them, I would, I would feel weird about. <laughs> all right, Danae, kick us off for our, our number three. This are we doing number three? Or are we doing our? Yeah, we're doing number three. My yep, third three. is um, a movie called Her, which was recommended to me by a friend. Um, this one was really surprising for me to have, um, but again, only seeing 12 movies. Uh, the other ones just don't match up because this one really forced me to ask questions about uh, my perceived notions of love, the limitations of love. Uh, there was a lot of deeper questions. So I, I was watching this film and really turning the mirror on myself and, and saying, why am I judging this person for what he's doing and what he's experiencing? And uh, So that I like that when that happens, um, especially when it happens in what I consider more of a safe movie where... The emotional roller coaster is really internal. It's about love. It's about life and people living how they feel like they should live. Uh, the movie is the way that it's filmed. Um, there's a stillness to the way the, that the images are captured for us, the, the filmography of it, um, where it's a lot of close-ups of faces and uh, and there's a stillness in their expression. It seems that the future, this film is based, you know, in the future, uh, is kind of more still and relaxed, and the pace is different. At least. At least this movie is sort of portraying this part of that. And so I kind of was able to calmly enter into these deep, deep questions. It wasn't like an action film where he's racing around and asking questions of love. So 
I, li I liked that a lot. And I also liked that the future seemed very plausible. So um, I also kind of bought into a lot of how this is possible. Uh, so again, but the capacity for love and what we can do with love and things like that was really fun for me to to be thinking about. So that was my number three. And, and that movie is just available now for a lot of people to see. Um, did you get a chance to see it, Captain Logan? No, I've not been to that one yet. Okay, so um, I'll talk about it here more in a little bit because it is on my list as well. Um, but I would just mention at this point, the one thing you didn't mention that I think is worthy of mention in that is the performances. Uh, just some incredibly compelling performances in that movie. And, and also just to, uh, to name drop Spike Jones, who directed it, who also did Being John Malkovich and Adaptation. Uh, he's just a genius. He just thinks of the world in a different way than most people do and can portray that in a way to make it accessible. This is maybe his most accessible movie. And, uh, and that's, you know, um, I think to its benefit. So I'll talk about it more here in a little bit because it is on my list as well. Well, I've been looking forward to that one. I'm glad to, I'm glad to know it's, um, it's as good as it, well, at least it sounds like from you guys. Yeah, yeah. What did you have at number three? My number three is Monsters University, man, and it almost it was almost <laughs> higher than that. Good Lord, did I love that movie. Um, Monsters Incorporated uh, used to be my favorite Pixar film. I think I think the university might have even topped it. Uh, wow. I've I, I, I I've talked about this a lot um, on, on my channel. I'm not sure what else I have to say about it. Um, it's another one of those things where uh, I was incredibly impressed with the sophistication of the third act and the um, and, and the message and what it was ultimately getting at, um, despite just being incredibly entertaining and the idea of making a college movie that's accessible for children is fantastic uh, because, you know, it, I mean, you know, I, I, I went to college and I saw some of the things they're making fun of in that, and, and, and the, you know, the idea that you could do that kind of humor and do the, the, the stupid prank stuff of the rival colleges and the kind of dumb things that go on with college and not actually and manage to do it without characters getting wasted I'm impressed like yeah <laughs> uh, but but um no you know you, you get to the end of that movie and it's about um you know doing the best you can to achieve your dreams but but also recognizing your limitations um, we have so many um, we have so many movies and, and other things in our culture that I think uh, lead people to be in denial about their limitations and who they are and look I'm I, it doesn't matter how much I might want to play professional basketball I'm five six it's never gonna happen and uh, that and, and uh, you know you know Mike Wazowski He's just not scary. Um, I I love that. Uh, I remember being in the theater, being a little bit um, 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 worried and trepidatious uh, at, at the at the moment where uh, where where it looks like he he actually manages to um, pass the the, uh, the 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 scare simulator. And uh, I'm like, no, we can't go here. We can't we can't have this be like you know he saves the day because he's actually scared. No, because and, and plus we know where things go in Incorporated. There's no way. Uh, and and when it when it turns out that it did really that, that it that it really wasn't that um, I was like yeah this is you know Pixar hasn't lost it you know that's I mean that's they, 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 that is that is sophistic the sophistication um, that uh, that made us love Toy Story um, and and so so many of the other of the other films thereafter it's also um, one of the best examples I've ever seen of how to do a prequel right. Um, yeah, I we reviewed this together actually. Um, yeah, one of the just yeah. walked out the doors, and we had the exact same reaction in the theater, which was, "Oh, Pixar, no, no, you can't go this way." And then, "Oh, I see what you did there. That's genius." <laughs> they got you. They um, no, they, they, 
they really did. Well, and it's also fun to have your expectations turn on your head like that. And, and again, mm-hmm. it not be like a plot twist. You know, it, 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 uh, it's, it's perfectly organic. It makes... It makes all kinds of sense, and you know, to see to see Sully, who you know, he he and he and Mike Wazowski didn't didn't like each other early on, and to see the progression of their relationship, and, and you buy them as friends, and then when that happens, um, you really believe that it's not just he's trying to get back into the scary school, but yeah. but, uh, but he does it as much for as much for his friend as he does it for himself. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like th- that seems like the obvious way to go. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, we're gonna do this prequel where we see how these two people from this buddy movie became friends. Shouldn't work. Totally work. Yeah, it it really does work, and just barely missed my list. Um, I I absolutely loved it as well. Um, I think it's uh, it's a beautiful movie. I think I love the way they did the music in that movie. Um. Yeah. I. Yeah. A lot of marching band stuff. Like, yeah. The whole movie, and I didn't think I would like that. Like I, you know, you, you and I talked about that. I, I missed the jazz score from Incorporated, but it wouldn't have been appropriate. Yeah. Uh, I just rewatched it yesterday. In fact. I just rewatched uh, it last week with my kid, which it, it is his favorite movie. In fact, we we gave we gave Jason almost almost uh, exclusively a Monsters University Christmas. That's so cute. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Yeah. Um. Uh, Steve on uh, YouTube just uh, posted a comment. Said he just rewatched it as well. He said he loves it because he was heading off to college when oh, he saw it for the first time, and so it was kind of one of those serendipitous things. So it's it's interesting how movies do that. Um, I absolutely. I'm kind of sad that I that I didn't have room for it on my. Well, you list. saw so many though. So what's your three? Uh, my number three is a movie called Philomena. Um, I thought this movie was beautiful. I did not expect really anything out of it. Judy Dench is great, but, you know, it's Judy Dench. Uh, Steve Coogan is a funny dude, but I've never seen him be overly, you know, compelling emotionally. Uh, I think a lot of it comes down to the story of this movie. This movie is about a, a woman who is, you know, at long last towards the end of her life, searching for the child she was forced, was taken away from her uh, at a like a convent or you know kind of a church facility, a Catholic church facility, and uh, and they took her child away, kind of a forced adoption kind of a thing, and just the way that this works out, and it's a true story. It's based on a true story. Uh, her search. There are probably two or three moments in this movie that just like tears um, surprised me. They just shot like they were there. Like it's like one of those moments where it's like, oh, whoa, did that? And and you just start. Welling up with tears. I mean, it's just—it's really emotional. It's really beautiful. The message in it is phenomenal about pain and redemption and forgiveness, and about taking up other people's causes, uh, and you know, and about um, how insulting that can be sometimes, and about how you can both hate an organization and still belong to an organization and love them. I'm talking about the Catholic Church in this case with Philomena and how she respects the church, but at the same time, the church has destroyed her in so many ways. I mean, it's just, there's so many beautiful themes in this movie. It is absolutely phenomenal and um, well-deserving of a watch. I went to see Philomena on Christmas Eve with my family. We decided we wanted to go see a movie together, uh, and we wanted to go to like a local uh, theater that kind of shows more independent films, and they had Philomena playing, uh, and we decided to go see it. I It's my number two. That, so I'll move us into the number two, I guess. Okay. Because uh, Philomena is uh, my second spot, and it was so surprising. And I I rarely sit in a film and let myself get emotional. I try to maintain a lot of emotional control in movies. I just don't like busting out in tears at, around people. 
Um, that's just a personal thing. So this one, though, it was so shocking. And the performances um, obviously play a huge part in that and the, the truth of the story, but uh, Judy Dench, the, the way that she... There's this, one, there's this one part where she's sitting in her room and she's looking at this little black-and-white photo of this child that she had uh, that, at this point, had, she hasn't told anybody that she even had a child. And her daughter comes in, and her daughter's an adult, and I guess they kind of live together. And her daughter can tell something's wrong, and she's just holding in the secret. And you can see the turmoil that she's experiencing of telling the truth and what it means. It's just eating her up inside. And I've, just, I've never seen somebody just swallow all of that back and really just be in that moment. I mean, it, it was like watching it really happen. Uh, so it was beautiful. And so then she reveals a secret, and then the series of events lead her to a reporter, uh, which I loved their relationship, the relationship of this yeah. woman who is on this really intense journey, but she's so in her own life, and she's so her own person, and she really helps this you know, kind of uh, stiff-collared reporter loosen up a little bit. She says a lot of surprising things at perfect moments and things that you think are going to be a big issue don't phase her at all. So you think that you're going to be on an emotional journey in one direction because that's how movies usually go or storylines usually go. But the way that this storyline gets you uh, is how you're watching these revelations happen of her finding this person and the journey of what it means. I would recommend this movie to anybody. Um, and I got, there's a couple times in it that I, like, burst and then just tears and then you I contained it, you know? Yeah, you talk about getting emotional. A lot of times I, I think you do, uh, I know I do a disservice sometimes because people are like, I don't want to go to a movie and just cry, you know? Right? I don't even, right, but see, but it's not just that. I mean, it's funny and if it, it's oh, yeah. like you're crying through the whole movie and it's depressing, you know, the, no. they're, the tears are good tears, they're real tears, but they're also real laughs. And you know what it is? Fun. It's you're doing life with these characters. You're exactly. invested in the story, and so the tears you're experiencing are healing for you, too. So it's not just a, oh, we're going to just jerk some tears and we're going to make this you know moment. It's, none of it seems to be fabricated. It's all very naturally coming along. So, yeah, this isn't uh, one of those, uh, like, I never went to go see Marley and Me because I don't want to watch a movie that's going to make me burst out. I love my dogs, and I don't want to go see a movie about that. Like, I purposefully avoided that movie. This isn't a movie about that. It's a movie, uh, a really beautiful movie with so many moving pieces. I would go see it. Yeah. So yeah. Did you, did you have a chance to see it, Captain Logan? Um, I, I hadn't even heard of that movie before you guys started talking about it. So. <laughs> it's yeah, so it's, good. I guess it's I should good. go find it. It's good. <laughs> Philomena. Yeah, yeah. And that's your number two? That's um, number two. I'll go ahead with my number two next. Uh, my number two movie of the year is Gravity. I loved Gravity. Um, it is... Uh, it, and I withhold the right before I publish my final list later this month to change it to number one. I'm just telling you, my I'm top two... I'm man, I'm surprised. My top two are, are both, like, I, you know, I almost want to have them tie for number one. I bet I know what your number one is. <laughs> um, so, but I, I love, love, love Gravity. Um, I think the spectacle of it is incredible. Um, seeing it in IMAX was amazing. The I'm the 3D on it is amazing. The way that it centers on Sandra Bullock's character uh, is almost Hitchcockian. You know, it's almost you know that kind of performance where uh, 
the peripherals are there and beautiful and amazing. You know, some of those uh, those rec scenes are incredible, but it but it centers on this emotional performance and this emotional journey. The metaphor and in the symbolism is at the same time evident but not obvious. Uh, and and it's just it's uh, I saw it three times in the theater, and every single time picked up new stuff. Loved it more each time. Um, and here's the reason that I'm not sure I wanted it number one, and that reason is I'm not sure what percentage of that is the spectacle because I have seen it on my TV now, and it's not quite the same. Now the message is there. Everything is, you know, every all that stuff is still there, but the power is diminished a little bit by the lack of that space that you get to sense in that movie, from Earth to the ship to, you know, the next thing. That three-dimensional space absolutely makes a difference in the enjoyment of the film. In fact, I let my son watch it on his little personal DVD player. So he's watching Gravity on like a seven-inch screen. He thought it was the stupidest movie he's ever seen. (laughs) He's also seven? No, he's he's 14. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, No, he watched it on his seven-inch screen. Oh, got it. Um, But. But yeah, but um, and so you know, I there's a sense of that. So I reserve the right to make it number one here in a few weeks when I release my official list. But for now, I'm putting it at number two. Okay, now Aaron, when you say three dimensional space, are you saying that to fully appreciate that movie, you must see it in 3D? Is that what you're saying? I, I am saying to fully appreciate it the way that it was designed. Yes, it must be seen. Okay, in 3D. well, let me put it. Let, let me let me say this then, because and 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 I and I. I feel like I bring this up every time anybody says 3D, and it's probably really annoying to people. But here's the thing: it, it's my number one. I'll go ahead and tell you that right now. And um, I am incapable of seeing 3D, so I loved it, and it was my favorite movie of the year. And I didn't have to see it in 3D because I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know how you like. My eyes don't work that way. I can't right. see 3D. So, um, so uh, Did you yeah, see I, it in IMAX though. No, I didn't see it in IMAX. It's a regular. Okay. But. I, but I was I was in love with it, and I found um, the uh, and I found it visceral, and I found the um, um, and, 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 and I and I felt like I was there with that character and in that same space. So I mean, like like I like I totally get what you're saying, but like also, and I wouldn't want to watch it on a regular TV screen either. But at the very least, get a projector or something. Like well, and, and let me let me clarify then. What I'm saying is, it would be similar to me if a movie. and I'm trying to think of a good example, but let's say um, I think. Maybe I'll I'll say Pleasantville because Pleasantville deals with the black and white color thing. Sure. But a movie that uses color to tell its story, to see it all in black and white, or if maybe you're colorblind and you can't see it, you can still enjoy the movie and think it's amazing, but there is an element that you are missing in the storytelling. They definitely use the three-dimensional space to tell part of that story. I could say the same thing about your super-tasting skills. Because Aaron, you're a super yeah, taster, where you can't enjoy some of the flavors that the rest of us enjoy because you just don't have the ability to do that. So right. it's not necessarily that one is better than the other; it's that the full experience can't be realized in certain situations. So. Yeah, that's I'm, that's what I'm saying. Is it, it definitely lost a bit of the impact for me going from 3D to 2D with that movie, and and reminded me why I feel like you know 3D is a viable storytelling tool. 
Well, that's um, fair. I mean, I, I can't have an opinion about that. But, <laughs> but, but, you know, yes, it's you like, can. well, I can't because I'm incapable of seeing 3D, so I can't have an opinion about, about whether or not it's a viable storytelling medium. But, um, but with, but as far as like, it's a relative thing though, Aaron, like, like, you know, going from 3D to 2D, just like, um, just like it would be a relative thing, just going from large to smaller. Right. Um, right. But, you know, I completely understand what you're saying. I wish I'd seen an IMAX. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing. And the, one more thing I want to mention yeah. is the sound, the sound, the use of sound in that movie is oh some of the most genius use of sound I've I've ever experienced. Uh, the way to emphasize the silence of space through not having any noise of destruction, but using mm -hmm. the score to emphasize the destruction, and the way it did that was yeah. breathtaking. It felt clean. It felt clean in that way, where there wasn't. Um, I'll use my least favorite movie of all time as an example: Transformers. Uh, yeah, two. Um, there's just so much noise and chaos and clashing, and then there's so much going on in the, in, the, in the picture too that it's like your brain and your you can't really process all of it, so you can't enjoy it. Whereas there's so much happening in gravity. Uh, there's a, there's chaos and there's emotion and there's movement and there's music, but you're still able to kind of find your way in it. It's so it's really really well done in that way. I love I love that movie. We'll talk about that more in a second. I'm sure. All right, so where are we at? We're in a number. That was think, my number two. I think Captain, Captain Logan's Logan, got to tell his two. two. Yes, uh, my my number two is uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, it, that, man, that movie hit me in all the right places. Uh, I bet. I bet. I didn't expect it to. Um, I went to that movie because my mom wanted to see it, and uh, we. I, I actually brought my mom on the channel and we reviewed it together. Um, we both had a lot of the same reactions to it. Um, a lot of people, and, and you know, it's, it's been very critically acclaimed. A lot of the, a lot of the critics like it. Um, the, there, there are some complaints about the about the end, um, just third act stuff in general, uh, and and in it not being true enough to life. And I have this thing with biopics. I'm finding more and more that I really like biopics, and I uh, didn't used to think I was a biopic guy. Um, I think Ray started steering me toward biopics. Um, that's a really good one. And one of the one of the things I for, for me, that I find fascinating about looking at biopics is um, is uh, movies based on a true story as a fiction. There there comes a point where it no longer matters uh, whether or not the movie is true enough to life, because it's exactly the same thing as being true to the source material uh, when you're adapting something. Um, changes are made for the sake of the narrative, because what you're looking at uh, with, with a movie like that is ultimately a fictional narrative. So it's based on a true story, and yeah, these were people that, that really lived, and yeah, we're using their real names, because you can't really do this story without using people's real names. Um, but the but the question is, would it have been as compelling of a fiction if we didn't kind of change it up a little bit, especially especially by the end? Um, does that movie work as a downer? Uh, could you? And I mean, maybe it maybe it would. Looking at it, looking at the film that we got, I found myself not caring at the end, and yeah. um, and I also didn't think it was sappy. That's one of the things I said when I reviewed it. Was you get to the end, and yeah, it's it's kind of a happy ending. And um, and in as opposed to real life, she was a lot more okay with the with with uh, with Mary Poppins than she really was, you know, in reality. Um, but I I but a lot of it was so was so um like like that character seemed so real to me that I didn't that I didn't care about that stuff. Um, something I think Aaron, when you reviewed it, I think I. I was it was it you or was it somebody else that I, that I that I watched a review of um, that said that it was. 
it was kind of ironically Disney Disney affair. Yeah, the ironic the, the ironic thing is that her being upset about them Disneyfying Mary Poppins and now they're Disneyfying her life, you know, in, in I don't ways. I just don't know if I agree with that because that almost implies that like that that um that like punches are pulled and like like at least at least you know in, as a fiction um that character Really hated the Disney model and had really good reasons to. And I felt right, like right. Uh, I just, I don't know. I, I I felt like it was Disney being kind of um being kind of real about why the formula was and stuff. I, and so I have two things. End, well, let me say this real quick. When you okay. get sorry, when you get to the end, and she's sitting in the theater and she's crying. Um, I thought they did a really good job. I guess I just read it a little differently than you and a lot of other people. Um, when, when she, when, 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 when tears are running down her face <clears throat> as she's as she's watching um, the the end of Mary Poppins, um, and you're seeing the parallels of the, from flashbacks of her real life, um, I couldn't be a hundred percent sure that she even liked it. I I, I thought I, like like for for me it was more like um like uh she could appreciate it on the level of it brought all those things back. But I think the deal was the the movie worked for her on a level of it made her remember why that that character was created in the first place in her in her mind's eye. Right. Um, more so than because because I really liked that she was still ticked off about the about the cartoon thing like right. that, that was a compromise she had right. to make. Um, so I, don't, I thought it was a lot more complex than a lot of people are making it out to be. But here's the thing, and this is my first thing of the two things. First thing, I agree with you. I loved this movie, and in fact, I even say I think in in my review in both cases uh, when I reviewed it on television and when I reviewed it on my channel uh, that I pull that out because it's the only negative thing I could even think of that was kind of there. You know, I, I love this movie, and um, in as far as negative, I think that's there, but I think it's very slight. The, yeah. sec the second thing is, um, I totally agree with you on the based on a true story, and I have this discussion with people all the time. For one thing, whose memory of an event gets to be the true story? We're all fallible human beings. We all have, you know, I'm surprised so many times by something I remember 100 you know, percent to be certain, and then I'll see a recording, you know, of the event or something. Oh, I actually didn't say what I thought I said. I said this, you know. So to base, you know, these true stories and say, well, it needs to be more true to life. Who's like, you know, who's recounting, you know? So um, I think it's absolutely uh, has to be a, uh, a a storytelling experience, not a. Um, Document, you know, documentary experience. The only, the only time it becomes a huge problem is when the movie goes out of its way to make you think that this is exactly the way it, it, it went to right. try to validate its, its existence. And we've seen that with things. This doesn't do that. I think that this is very clearly a fiction based on real life. Um, also, let's remember that only that, that up until just a few years ago, her life was entirely a mystery. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, like, like it's only been recently that anybody knows anything about about Travers at all, um, which I think is a lot of the reason the movie got made. Um, so, so like, I, I think I think it was a really good candidate for a movie like this because so little was known in the first place. Yeah, it just again just barely missed my list. Uh, I'm sure it'll be in my top ten, uh, you know, along with Monsters University. So, and Danae, I don't think you saw it, did you? Because I know it was on your list to see. It is on my list of movies I wanted to see but did not see. Um, and I think part of it is interesting because I can relate to what you're talking about in that I have watched movies this year that came out many, many years ago and I've never seen. 
Um, there were some of them that were, you know, about football teams that came together and all this stuff, you know, during this season of life, blah, 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 and it's, like, really inspiring, and then I go and look, and there's not a lot of truth to the timeline and stuff, and that, that bothered me, and so I'm like, oh, you know, maybe I'll go see this later. It's just not on my list to see. And Mary Poppins, um, the, the, the film for me in my youth and what I saw, I enjoyed, but it wasn't, like, one of those that just stands out in my mind, so I don't really have, like, a, an affinity to it. So I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. That's and that's, and that's something we haven't talked about either is, is our experience with the original. And, uh, man, I'm, I'm such a Dick Van Dyke guy. That movie was such a huge part of my childhood. I, yeah, I have a huge affinity for the original. Well, I think one of the reasons that I loved Saving Mr. Banks so much is because I didn't really care that much about Mary Poppins. <laughs> and it made me appreciate it more. Like I said, I, I didn't have like, this huge desire to go see that movie. Um, I, I never thought it would make a list or anything. Um, but it did. So I went, um, and then right after that, I wanted to go. I wanted to go watch Mary Poppins again. It, um, it, one of the one of the things that it does is um, is uh, like like I said, it, it, it increased my appreciation for that movie, but also for the songs in that movie. Um, yeah, the songwriting scenes are awesome. I forgot how good the music in that movie was. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, when they're when they're sitting at the piano, those scenes are some of the best scenes in the movie. Okay, okay, I'll go I realized something uh, in the shower the day after I watched that movie. Um, I had I had a spoonful of sugar stuck in my head. And uh, and I and I was and I was I was humming I'm I'm quirky and strange. I was humming spoonful of sugar and then and then all of a sudden I realized that that, that song and uh, and uh, Sesame Street's people in your neighborhood are the same song. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you should start a new series, Revelations in the Shower. <laughs> yeah, so, so I was like, so I was like, just a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. And it's like, yeah, oh, these are the people in your neighborhood. It's the same song. That's funny. Nice. All right, well, let's move on then to our uh, most pleasant surprise of the year. And I'll kick us off on that one uh, with a movie that's already been mentioned. Uh, and that is Ender's Game, was my most pleasant surprise of the year. Absolutely was not expecting it to be amazing. Uh, Harrison Ford has let me down in so many of his recent movies. For me, I haven't enjoyed him, and I thought he was back in this. I really loved the character he played. Um, Asa Butterfield blew my mind. Uh, He's an incredible actor, especially for his age. He reminds me of what I used to think of, like, Haley Joel Osment when he was a kid, and just like, how do you have that maturity when you're that young? Like, what do you pull from to act like that, you know? And it's just, yeah. it's, it's That's really, great. really beautiful. What experiences have you had? Like, yeah. Some people uh, have the ability to perceive. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, it's, it's called acting. That's what Hitchcock always yeah. used to tell his actors. Yeah, it's it's called acting, my dear. Um, so, so anyway, so I really, really loved it. I thought the action stuff was incredible. Um, the, the war scenes, the war strategy was clear. Like, you understood what they were doing and what they were trying to do, and yet it was complex. That's I love when something... That's the hard part, right? Because that's yeah. what that's all about. And I'm like, how do you translate that to screen? But they did such a great job. And in the war games were really cool that they played in training. And I just... I fell in love with a lot of this movie. I also thought it moved along really well. It didn't linger uh, on, you know, um, any of the story. When, it, when I was ready for the next part of the story, it moved to the next part of the story. It just... It's like it sensed its momentum very well. So I, I really enjoyed Ender's Game. So that was a good one. What about you, Danae? Uh, mine is Philomena. 
I think whenever you go into a independent film theater and you sit down, you know, in a theater that's kind of put together as a project from your community and you're playing a film and it's characters you're just concerned are going to be able to relate with maybe, um, considering that they've got more years of experience and all that stuff, I didn't really know what to expect. I had no idea what the story was about. So I didn't expect, and I know if we spent some time talking about Philomena, so I won't spend more time talking about how amazing it is except for to say that I related to um, the characters so intensely on all levels. Humor and religion, um, you know, forgiveness and love and tragedy. Like, I went through a journey with them, and I was not expecting that. So that was my biggest surprise. Excellent. What about you, Captain Logan? Uh, mine was unquestionably Don John. Uh, there is a movie that I had... Like I said, I, I I was so uncomfortable the first half an hour of that movie. I was like, I don't want to be here. This is this is raunchy and wrong and turning my stomach and um and like I I never thought I would see that much pornography in a movie that was rated R but not NC seventeen and um. And then it was really about something, and I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that guy can write. Like, that was the big thing for me, was the performance is fantastic, um, but, it's, but it's the writing. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't think, I didn't think he knew how to write. Like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Jo- Joseph Gordon, yeah, I had no idea Levitt was a writer. Um, and I was just like, could we get more movies written and directed from Levitt? Could that happen, maybe? Uh, I yeah, hope so, was, I really hope so. Great. Um, I thought uh, Scarlett Johansson stepped right out of her body into somebody else's. Uh, I couldn't believe that was that was her uh, through that movie. Um, like I don't know where she had to put her spa- her headspace in to be that incredibly shallow and stereotypical. Uh, but it but it but it worked. It was fantastic. Um, and if you've not seen that movie, the the stereotypicalness of that performance is is really important to the story. It's not like it's it's not like it's a movie that like you know you know make, makes this this woman that should be this strong female character average and, and stereotypical. No, it, it, it's a movie about mediocrity and about. Um, and and um and, a, and about the superficiality of um that, that that our that our culture tends to um perpetuate and um you know you know um um actual uh connectiveness with people and is one of the most mature um uh, explorations of the topic of sex I think I have ever seen um wow what a what a yeah, great yeah. movie I, I I would totally agree with you about Don John and um, what was incredible is there's a little bit of that uh, completely different movie but a little bit of that Monsters University turn that it makes because yeah, you think yes. it's you think it's going one direction with its message and you're like oh I don't you know okay and then it nails you in the last third of the movie with what it's really saying. Yeah. And um, and it really is a beautiful exploration of what sexuality was in, you know intended to be and, and where it works and um, I, it's interesting for a movie that is so blatantly um, viscerally visually and almost pornographic although they you know they do find a way to kind of skirt that R rating yeah. that it also is a movie that says you know this isn't reality this is all fake. You know, and here's what here's what reality is, and and even more than that, his journey through that process, his mental journey through that process, is beautifully realized. 
both by the acting and the writing, as you mentioned. So, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you. It's not glorifying that pornography. Um, in fact, I think, because uh, one of the things I, I really questioned when I walked out of that was uh, whether or not we needed to see just as much as we did. And at the end of the day, I kind of think we did. I mean, this is, this is a, about getting in a character's head and appreciating a transformation. And how many movies have you seen where somebody has this light switch where they go through the first two acts and they're totally obnoxious and you hate them, and then suddenly... Um, they have that 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 like really obvious kind of kind of contrived opportunity for change that they take, but then you don't buy that they would be so completely different. They turn an entirely different person right all at once. You don't have that with this with this movie. You see a huge transformation. He is a different person at the end, but you put your buy it. Um, <laughs> Sorry, if you hear snuffling, that's my Saint Bernard. That is not me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> like, we just thought you, Danae, We just thought you were breathing hard. You know, all this, all this hard work is on. Here's my Here's Madeline. <laughs> wow! So she just suddenly came up to the mic, and she's like, hey, hey, everybody. Sorry. 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 Yeah, I apologize. Hard. Danae, you didn't, you didn't see Don John, did you? <laughs> no, but I did just add it to my 2C list, so... Cool. Well, d- well, don't don't let the gross out factor steer you away from it in that first half an hour, because well, there's there's parts of even her that I was like, oh, I'm very aware that I'm watching this movie with other people around me, and I feel yeah. a little awkward right now. Yeah. But I agree with you that there's an element to if you don't see it and you're not exposed to it, how do you know if it's going to have a resolution if the movie is resolving? So I think that's kind of what I'm hearing you guys say, which is interesting oh, I was to me. Incredibly uncomfortable watching that movie <laughs> with other people. And, and and it was and it was a house full. I mean like a lot I was there with a lot of people and I, and I noticed a lot of people kinda of looking around going going, Boy, I don't I don't, I don't know what people think of me sitting here watching this and then and then you can kinda of, you can kinda of feel the entire audience in that third act going, Oh, that's why we had to sit through all that when, right. when it first looked really gratuitous and then turned out to be totally there for a reason. I was uh, I was much more concerned with the looks I was getting from mothers uh, when I went to see the One Direction movie. Yes. Oh. <laughs> was it, I, I thought you were going to bring up not One Direction, but the other movie with Channing Tatum when he was a stripper guy. When you oh, walked Magic into that Mike? theater. Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah I watched the... Magic Mike with a theater full of middle-aged women. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But no, no, it's always the One Direction and Bieber movies. When I go to see those teeny bopper movies, and it's you know all teenage girls and their moms, uh, the moms really do. They 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 give me the once over twice over <laughs> thrice over. Yeah. So you should, you should make yourself a T-shirt that says I'm a critic. I wouldn't yeah. have to if I didn't have to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need a badge of some sort. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, did everybody do their their most surprise? the pleasant yeah. surprise? Okay, so we're on to the number ones. Um, gravity has already been mentioned by Captain Logan, no, so gravity's number one. No. Um, Danae, I'm guessing I know your number one. What is it? It's gravity. Yeah, Yay! that's what I figured. Yeah. Um, yeah, that movie was awesome. I did see it in the IMAX, and I saw it 3D. I saw it uh, first with friends, and I saw it with my mom and dad. I think that's the only movie I've ever seen where, when I left the theater, I had well, I had to sit in the theater in stillness for a little while afterwards and process what I had just experienced because it was an experience, and then and then it felt like a ride. I I one of the first things I said besides, "Wow, that's how you do a movie," is, man, I feel like I've been on one of those rides at, at like Disney or something like that where you go and it's like one of those full immersion rides and. 
there, you know, you're like, I felt cold, I felt hot, I felt, like, I felt all these different things, and um, the symbolism of the movie was so profound to me. I found myself writing about it afterwards, and then when I, I saw it the next, I think it was saw it twice in a week, when I saw it that second time, like you, Aaron, I found that I was discovering new elements, appreciating other elements more, and doing my very, very best to not try to figure it out. Another reason why I know a movie is really good for me is when I am not trying to figure out how they're doing it. Because if I'm trying to figure it out, that means I'm distracted, you know, with some element. I, I'm disconnected enough to be, how do they do that? How do they do that? Whereas in this movie, I don't want to know. I love that I experienced this movie the way that I did. Um, so I loved it. I didn't. I don't know that. I think I shed a couple of tears. It did get emotional for me a couple of times. Uh, one of the most uh, emotional moments for me is when she's kind of deciding whether she wants to keep trying to survive this experience in space or if she wants to kind of pull back um, and and kind of like let go and just give up essentially. And she has this sort of conversation with um, somebody that she can't understand their language. It's a transmission she's picked up from somewhere on Earth. And that conversation she has in that moment, I mean, her, her lips are pressed together and you can see the skin peeling you know, on her lips because she doesn't have any moisture and there's just this coldness and this uh, desolate that you feel. And then this phone, you know, this phone call, <laughs> this transmission happens and the conversation she has with someone who can't even understand her, it's her own revelations and her own things that she's working through. I was really blown away. Um, I love Sandra. She has always been someone that I've enjoyed watching on film. They're, they're always fun for me. She's, she has like a quirkiness I really relate to. She's beautiful. She's intelligent. Um, I like how she presents herself in interviews and things like that. So I'm already a Sandra fan. Um, I don't really care about George Clooney. He's excellent, but I'm not one of those like Clooney freaks. But I enjoyed him as well. But I was so excited to see her in this film. And afterwards, I did read some of the articles of who was supposed to be, you know, in Sandra's role. And I just kept thinking, I can't imagine anybody else doing that but her. And I'm so glad they didn't pick anybody else because Sandra is the one that I can relate to the most. I don't know that I can relate to an Angelina Jolie or a Scarlett Johansson. So I love that so much. Well, I, I really think that's a lot of why it works so well. Um, that That is, I mean, it's such a performance-driven movie, right? And especially because it's one unbroken scene. The, those movies are, are so hard to pull off. Oh, it's so awesome. You know, I mean, I mean, on the on the level of Twelve Angry Men, right? Like it just keeps it just keeps going. It never breaks. It's not a first, second, third act kind of thing. You could break it down to that thematically and and uh, and, and character yeah. progression wise, right? But I mean, like ultimately, it, it's it's an, it's one unbroken unbroken scene. Um, I'm I'm not a Sandra Bullock fan. That's part of the reason I love that movie so much was because huh. um, uh, she's never really done anything for me, and I thought she was brilliant in that. And and uh, I was with you. I couldn't see anybody else in it after I saw it. That's yeah. not to say nobody else could have pulled it off, but once you've seen it, you can't unsee it. You know, That's so true. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I you know the other thing I would just mention just because we haven't mentioned his name is the director Alfonso Cuarón, uh, absolutely a visual masterpiece. He's he is proving himself to be uh, an incredible director, and um, I'm I'm so excited for whatever he's going to put his hands to because he, he did a great job with this. So um, did you also kind of like that this film maybe wasn't expected to be quite so popular? Like I kind of got that feeling from it that it just picked up. 
its own speed, and then it was like word of mouth almost, you know, where you're telling your friends you need to go experience this before it leaves the like theater. I don't I don't know that I've ever told anyone you need to go to the theater and see this right now. Um, and I, I wondered if that was maybe another part of why I liked it so much is it felt like I was passing on an experience to somebody rather than just a story. It definitely was a lot of the reason I loved it so much because uh, when I first saw the previews, I expected to not like that at all. Um, and and I and that was the general consensus. I think a lot of people are like, really, why would you put those two actors together? And like, oh, another space thing. You know, you know, a, a lot of that. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a science fiction film. It's not a science fiction film. And uh, you know, I, mean, I love science fiction. I'm not saying it's good because it's not that. I'm just saying that like it's it surprised everybody uh, because um, it was really just advertised as here's this movie that you know nobody really knew what it was. I love stuff like that. I mean, I like, this is not this is not one of my favorite movies ever. But but like but like that's that I think is I, that I think worked for Cloverfield. It was like. This guy's making a movie. Go see it. And then you go, and then you find out what it is. Um, but but like you go because of an image. You know, it's like okay, uh, we know we got people in space. You know, with Up, it was right. a house with some balloons on it. Right. Um, <laughs> it was. It's the Statue of Liberty head in the middle of the street. You know, um, I love advertising. Like you know, Frozen had that too. It was it was okay. There's a there's a snowman and and uh, and, and, and a reindeer and a reindeer. And then it's like and then it's like that's not that's not that that's movie. Not that's that has been one of the biggest revelations for me this year is I've gone as trailer-free as possible this year. Um, you know, when I go see a movie, I will stand outside the theater until the trailers are over and then go in. Um, oh, weird, really? Cool. Yeah, well, it's been amazing because you realize these movies are even more powerful when you have zero point of reference. Yeah. When you just get to experience the story, and I love that. And it's interesting because being a movie critic and people ask me, hey, what do you think about this movie that's coming up? And I'll be like, you know what? I don't know anything. I'm just going to yeah. go see it. You know, I know the name. I know it exists. I'm going to go see it, and I'll let you know what I think. Because I've also really appreciated that they do the thing where if they do release a trailer, like in the case of Frozen, they release trailers that had no element of that trailer except for the characters in the film. They didn't show uh, pieces of the film in their trailer. No, they created, it was a musical. It was awesome because because they they let you experience it. They they wanted to show you a little bit about it, kind of give you a teaser, invite you to come see it, get a little bit of an idea of what you could experience at some point in the film. But they didn't completely show the entire film. I will give you an example. Upcoming Captain America, right? Okay, I'm sitting in a theater and I'm watching this movie and this trailer comes on. That trailer could have ended at the end of the elevator scene. And I know there's lots of trailers, but it's the one where it starts with the elevator scene and Captain America beats up the bad guys, right? But then it proceeds to show just about everything that's going to happen in the film. It shows a big ship crashing. Well, now I know the ship's going to crash. Like, I can't watch it. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, ah, this is going to be built in somehow. You completely... I would mean those things. I'm not going to forget about it. So I like that there are some of the people who are some people who are choosing to release trailers that don't show everything. I don't need to know everything. Yeah, and and I think a lot of this stems from um, you can almost pinpoint it to the Super Bowl commercial for Independence Day, where the White House blows up, and then from that point on, big event trailers had to put these, you know, Huge big explosions. events of the movie in yeah. their trailers. So, you know, it's like that kind of opened the floodgates of, oh, we don't need to tease anymore. We can just show. 
And and I think that's been to the detriment of many, many movies. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are times when I see a trailer for something that I'm... And this is just a personal taste thing for, for something that, like, um, I'm, I'm kind of worried it's not going to be about anything and something thematic is in the trailer and I go, oh, cool, it looks like they're thinking. But that's just a personal thing. For the most part, I'm with Danae. I mean, like, um, I... I wish I could go trailer free, like like uh, like, and and frankly, everything else free to you know um um like like all that all that early digital marketing and things, um because your your expectations get um really get in the way of of, of an experience. Um, a lot of the time, if if you I don't know how you can be completely objective. You can't be completely objective anyway, but I don't know how you could be as objective a person as you possibly could be about a movie and go in hoping it is a certain thing based on what you know about it already. Uh, what I like is when I hope it's going to be one thing, it's something else entirely, and it's eight times better than I thought it was, than what I would have done with it. You know what I mean? Um, and it's difficult to have that experience if you look for every single possible spoiler that anybody has put out about a movie before. Right. Which you know fanboys do all the time, yeah. um, and uh, that's and you know you know you know in, in my circles in the because because uh, you know my my main um, focus is superhero movies. Um, that is a huge problem. I mean, like it is so hard for me to go into a superhero movie not already knowing way too much about it. <laughs> and, and frankly, you know, superhero movies are based on source material, and very often source material I'm already familiar with, so I already know stuff. Yeah. 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 It's it's I I think. It needs to be pulled back, and I think they'll start to figure that out. And I think you you'll see with the success of Gravity and Frozen and others who are doing that kind of thing, more movie studios will do it. I hope so because I, so. I, I think it's the right way to go. Trailer um, three is the way to be. Uh, <laughs> right, what's your number one? I'm really curious. Uh, yes, I will say here in a second. I do want to say Eating Rules on YouTube mentioned something that I think is important for people to know if they do love Gravity like we do, which is there is a short film about that conversation that she has that's the other side of that conversation I from Earth. I saw that. Did oh, you I see that, Technology? Okay. No, I've got to see that. That's awesome. It's, it's so interesting. I loved that. Although... Yeah, and it's and really I, beautiful. It's, I think it's directed I think it's directed by Alfonso Cuaron's son, actually. Oh, that's uh, directs so cool. I, I did like it, um, but in your in my imagination, you know, one of the things that I loved about Gravity is that they're, they didn't cut away from... Like, she's talking about her daughter, for example, uh, in the film. They don't cut away to a picture of her daughter. You know, you are building your own um, pictures in your imagination. If you have the imagination that I do, they're very vivid. And so when I watched that extra, I found myself combating against what I thought was going on. But I really loved it. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely watch it. It's really yeah, good. that sounds neat as supplemental material, but I'm, with yeah. you. I'm glad it's not in the movie. Me too. Yeah, exactly. And it's perfect as supplemental material, you know? Yeah. 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 All right, my number okay, one. Okay, Aaron, okay, Aaron, okay. My number one, as mentioned, uh, which, again, I reserve the right to make it number two, um, is, is the movie Her. Um, this movie had uh, an impact on me that I was not ready for. The way it talks about technology and the way we interact with technology and where that might be headed in the future, I think is eye-opening, is, uh, is really thought-provoking, and... Um, and I'm just, Spike Jones just has my number. The way he thinks about the world just speaks to me. Adaptation is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I love the complexity of the layers of, um, you know, uh, being meta, a movie about itself and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, this movie, again, is much more accessible. 
And uh, I want to mention specifically Scarlett Johansson, who you mentioned in Don John, yep. is in this movie, is never seen and gives an incredible vocal performance as this operating system. And she actually, uh, we ended up nominating her for Best, Support, uh, Best Supporting Actress uh, in a role that she's never seen on screen, which I think is the first time that that's ever been done uh, for, the, for the Critics' Choice Awards. So I'm excited to see how that goes, if she might win it. It is that good of a performance. Do you, do you find it interesting, too, that in the movie Her, you know, he's falling in love with a character that he's never seen? And we as an audience come to love her in our own ways, too, and love that Scarlett did that. So you nominated somebody who was never seen. And it kind of is that same sort of feel to it. And it's like, it's like, like a life in between art in that way. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, I would also mention, uh, just to, to mention him, Joaquin Phoenix. I'm oh, so, so glad awesome. he's acting in movies again because he is incredible in this. I loved his mustache, too. Let's just say. <laughs> I mean, mustaches can go terribly wrong on some people. Well, and apparently mustaches were in in this future because a lot of guys were wearing mustaches in this future. It looked very uh, bohemian in the future. I mean, the the pants and everything seemed like it was all very, like, earth-friendly. Like, people had really embraced loving the earth and loving their environment while also being completely immersed in technology. Well, but here's the, really thing about, here's the thing about immersive technology and what I loved about what this movie said and also why I think it feels so plausible, which you mentioned also, Danae, mm -hmm. is because it is, the, it is the expected end result of conversational technology. As technology becomes more adept to understanding our conversation and replying in, in our conversation, the language barriers release in a way that really blurs that line between humanity and technology. Now, that doesn't mean it's sentient. It doesn't mean that you know it's uh, you know it's time for the Terminator. It just means that it becomes very a very strange world to live in where technology feels like another human being, and it's um, it's just such a beautiful exploration of that. I just I loved it. There's only. I love the idea of that side of it. I mean, I, I was I I've been so interested in that movie, and I just haven't had a chance to go. Um, I like like I'm so interested in that side of it because yeah, you're right. With with traditional science fiction, so often what we do is we go, okay, uh, what would happen if it became sentient? But the opposite end of that is, it. it the uh, the world in which it doesn't matter if it's sentient, you have people who can't help but see it that way, and they get detached from people because um, their their world becomes about this thing that's not actually real, but seems so real to them um, that they, they they ultimately they're living inside their own minds. And I think we have we have a lot of that going on already. You know, I mean, like, like in the internet culture I live in, that already happens. We we don't we don't we don't need uh, like computers that can speak to us uh, the way we talk to them before that happens. Um, you know, you know, people are already losing themselves. But I think that this movie does something really interesting, where this character comes to question and learn more about what it means to love in general, not just love a computer, yeah. but love. Love people, love experiences, love life, love living, and then that love actually ends up affecting the people around him too. Um, and so it's interesting because even though it's a sentient thing, and you know, falling in love with a computer to me in, in, in this reality seems very anchored. That means I'm sitting at my laptop or something like that. You know, 
Um, this is very different. There's a mobility to it because he moves beyond, but he's still always anchored to his technology, and I think that is where it really becomes realistic, too, is that we do have uh, our ability to do that. Aaron, what do you have on your mind? I, there's, there's this other thing, though, that Spike Jones does in this movie that I really love. There's a real lack of judgment yes. in this movie. There's a real lack of saying, oh, look how crazy this person is, or look how weird this is, or right. it, it presents it as just a real world with real humans, you know, acting in real emotion. There's very little, you know, looking down on the person who's so connected to their technology, they lose contact. But they still, but they still have that character. He still puts that character into that role where you Because it's real, as a, though. Because yeah, it's you real, not because it's a, an opinion. Right, right. But... There are characters who do question his love affair with his, this sentient, this computer uh, operating system is what I would probably call her, and um, and I like that there was that questioning presence there in the movie because there, but it comes so naturally in conversation and it's more concerned for his ability to interact with people. It's it's really well put together in that way. I think when a movie doesn't present judgment um, like that, when they allow you to kind of ask those questions yourself and not have someone telling you how to feel, you really discover a lot about yourself. And that's like, what I experienced in her as well. That is exactly it. That is a huge part of it is that self-discovery. This is how I feel about this. This is, you know, where, you know, really allows you, it's really accessible. You know, it really allows you to really ponder those things and think about those things. It's, it's just, it's a beautiful movie. It's so, so beautiful. Well, Mary, you make it sound like it's the kind of fiction that's more predictive than it is social commentary, where, like, you know, the social commentary would just be there inherently, but it's, pre but it's like, you know, it's kind of, it sounds predictive. It's, it's only, I would only classify it as predictive in that I believe it's very plausible. Like it just, it, you know, it, that's maybe why it comes off as, as being, you know, me thinking it's predictive is because it seems so real to me. You know, it seems like that's the way we could be headed. Well, what you're describing is the dictionary definition of um, of um, speculative fiction. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's true. You know, it's even so, it's so much so that I find myself even right now trying to go, all right, how big of a processor would need to be in existence for this operating system to be able to compute the way that this operating system is computing? Like... How many servers does Samantha, the character, occupy to be able to, you know, to interact the way that she's interacting? So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking on that line of plausibility. That was one of the, one of the only times that I backed out of that reality is going, how do they get that much processing power out of Samantha? I don't know. And here's the final thing I, I, I would say about this movie. It's one of those movies that you love because you almost can't explain why you love it to other people. It's one of those movies where it's like, you, you just kind of have to experience this world because I can tell you the things I loved about it, but I never feel like I'm doing a good job of really explaining it. You know, it's, it's just, I love it more than I can express. That, that, that is right in my wheelhouse. I, have, I hate that I haven't been yet. Yeah. Well, see it soon. It should, I think, it's, I think it, re, it has released wide, um, so it's, it's out there now. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's my number one. All right, so here's how we're gonna finish. I like doing this. Uh, we're gonna come to a consensus number one. Ooh. Our number one movie of the year together is *The Critic, the Geek, and the Girl*. <laughs> Thankfully, it's kind of easy this time. Yeah. <laughs> it's gotta be gravity. Yeah. I, I think yeah, I think the, cons the consensus was made for us. It's gravity, isn't it? Oh yeah. Yeah, it it absolutely is. 
It might have been a toss. It might have been more of a toss up had I not had I seen her. That yeah, because yeah, I made you up her as well. Where was that on your list? Uh, her was number three on my list. Okay. But I mean, I I would say that I would wonder though, like there's a couple people. There's more than a couple. There's a there's a group of people that I wouldn't recommend to see her because I think that it it might blow over a few boundaries that they're not ready to blow over yet. Whereas Gravity, to me, I think I would recommend to every single person on the planet. And I think that might be the only thing. I mean, even my friends who fear space, I'm like, it's okay, just go. My mom, she gets, uh, she has, where she gets dizzy. She had to look away from the screen. I can't even tell you how many times. So she wouldn't get dizzy and, like, fall over in the theater, but she loved it. So um, yeah. I think I would still put Gravity as number one, and maybe collectively if you had seen her, Captain Logan, that might make yeah. number two. Um, because well, it does go into like some a... personal places. Are we frozen? Is it going to be like this again right at the it end? It is. It is. Here we wow. are again. Did we boot him with our mind again? I, you know, I wasn't thinking about it, so I don't know. Did you did you manipulate my brain to help boot him off? Is that? We can pretend. Oh, wait. Is he here? I don't know. Is he here? He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. Aaron? Is his microphone? I'm here. I'm there here. He okay. I'm here. All right. Well... Was he here the whole time? I don't know, man. It looked like he was frozen. <laughs> of course, if we're all I, very still, here. we can I've be frozen. For whatever reason, been in the background. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, you know. Ne next time we do this show, I'm gonna like halfway through. I'm just gonna be like, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, did we lose Captain Logan? Like five, <laughs> five minutes. I'm gonna be like, I'm right here. <laughs> I got I'm you. Right here. Well, while I still have while I still have a little bit while I still have just a little bit of connection with you guys, uh, let me just say thank you, Danae and Captain Logan, for oh, doing sure. this. Uh, I love the idea of the critic, the geek, and the girl. I will press on you guys to maybe do more of these through the year, do some movie reviews, some different things, um, and uh, and I appreciate you guys. Gravity is our favorite film. Make sure you see it, uh, and then you can also check out the others that we mentioned as well. Um, and uh, thank you guys. Have a great day, and enjoy Bye. your new year. See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.